Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling school teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I'm Will. I get to have another good name for this episode, Johnson. I, I'm striking out last three. You, this is the last three. You are totally striking out. There's no puns. There's no fun. I don't know how you're doing this. Folks, we're damn glad to have you, ladies and gentlemen. This is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives are washed away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about 1973's Disney classic Robin Hood, and it's been recommended by a very special guest. Please welcome Lelon Bowden. Ooh, that was a nice name pronunciation. Oh, oh you know, we it nailed it. First try. Right. Hey. <laughs> Very first, first try. try. Love it. <laughs> first try. We're awesome. We're really good. But, uh, so, Will, Will, you are the master of all things social media with it when it comes to the Cinephile History <laughs> Pick podcast. How did you get this wonderful person? Well, it's 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 a lot of following. And, uh, and this, this is the circuitous way to get to this is I was watching – uh matrix resurrections in the theater a couple weeks ago with my press pass or whatever and i was looking at uh jessica henwick in there and she had like the same hairstyle and kind of the same look as i was like that reminds me of uh Lilan. why isn't she in the matrix resurrections this is not fair and i i was like you know That's i should probably... i've been saying <laughs> and i was like you know what maybe we'll have her on the show so i can just tell her that and that'll probably make her feel really good that she's just like oh yeah i wasn't in that movie thanks for the reminder but i uh i was a big fan from you know uh andy mack on disney something i watched with my daughter as she was growing up which is a fantastic show on disney if you haven't seen it i mean oh. that show makes me laugh it makes me cry it has everything you can ask for representation for minority groups for and that means everything from like ethnic minority groups to you know gay uh you know gay people things like that uh it's just a fantastic well-rounded perfectly family-based show which is nice to have especially when you have a a growing daughter and it's a show about growing daughter uh but also you know i dug into you know like i i noticed that you had a um fantastic comedy channel through funny or die with your writing partner uh, Wilder Smith and I would watch those and just and was that did I say it right that one too Wilder yeah, Smith yeah Wilder Smith perfect perfect you're, just, okay, you're nailing it nailing it <laughs> yes all right and uh, yeah I would watch those videos and laugh hilariously I recommend anybody go and check those out because they're really funny I've been rewatching them this week in preparation for this and uh, oh my gosh they're, they're still really funny the, the ambulance one when you guys realize you're you're actually <laughs> the ambulance that you can't hear the siren or whatever that was hilarious and then um, you know, best friends Thank say you. goodbye and all that. It's just, it's great. But um, you're naming my also, favorites. Yes, and and lastly, before I go off and I'll let you speak, I promise. Uh, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm a big fan. I want to pursue her professional work. So uh, first, I I've tracked down becoming Eddie. I went to like all the festival sites to see if I could get a copy of it so I could watch it. And I did find it and I watched it. I loved it very much. As your, I'm assuming it's not your directorial debut, but. You know, you've worked worked in some other things, but it's kind of your first big film, right? Short film yes, that you put out yeah. there for the festival circuit. Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah, and I watched that. I love that. And then, um, and I want to get some a status update on once was, but I did donate to the indie. I don't know which one it was. Oh indie my Go-Go. goodness! Thank you. Yeah. that's so kind of I you. Did, uh, once yes. was is in post production now. We just finished our last day of principal photography that I directed remotely from LA, which was in New York. Nice work. Oh. Always is right there. Miss those settings, you know. Oh, so I was so warm I, I, while my while my lead actress was so cold. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited to I'm excited to see that. I've been waiting for that for a little bit. And um, so yeah, you've got quite the career, but it's not something that just came out of nowhere. You've been working for a really long time. You've got 92 credits in IMDb. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey. You know what brought you to where you are today. Great. Um, well, what brought me to this podcast is um, y'all tweeted at me, and I, I looked at your podcast, and I was like, two two dads and struggling teachers, absolutely, <laughs> like heck yeah. Um, and talking about films, we love it. Um, to uh, more about myself, I mean, man, you did such a thorough introduction. I didn't even know I had ninety two credits on IMDb. Here's the thing: <laughs> is that I am I'm probably the least aware person of my own career than anybody else. Like, I go on, <laughs> I go on podcasts or interviews, and people are like, "So now you did this in two thousand three? I'm like, "I did." Very cool. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm uh, like you 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 get a, a sense of me. I come from a comedy background. I started doing improv in high school and that really just kind of set the course of my life. I was like, wow, improv comedy is so much fun. Um, and, uh, and, and that's what led me to, you know, moving to LA, pursuing comedy, being a part of all these comedy shows. And, um, and yeah, Andy Mack was such like an awesome, fun, uh, experience. And now I'm directing and, and here we are and here we are. No, it's, nice. it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, if anyone can see, and do you know the status of, because um, Becoming Eddie is on Letterboxd and that's where you can find the information and stuff like that. But uh, is there a way to like, people can watch it yet? Is it, well, is it available? Well, there's a reason why that it's not out to the public yet, because we are actually um, in a development deal with Sony right now in mm-hmm. um, like in, in seeing if we can um, sell it as a TV show. Nice. So oh, yeah, wow. that's that's why it's been. Um, I'm I'm impressed that you actually found it. Um, but but so that's why it's not available for just like like full on like or or we're not making it too available for like full on public like. Sure, I got you. Viewing. Um, we had a wonderful film festival run. That was so much fun. Um, but uh, but but yeah, like um, at at some point, regardless of what happens, I would love to put that back up online. Um, because I had a it was a joy to make it. Yeah. Thanks. The deep cut for me is uh, Mr. Roosevelt from Noel Wells. A you know, cool little indie oh, film. I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god! See, that that's another thing. I'm like, oh yeah, I mm-hmm. did that. Um, Noel is awesome. <laughs> Again, someone else I know from improv comedy. Right. It was I so figured. Ex- um, and uh, and yeah, uh, the, a lot of that movie was shot right at the theater that I met her at, um, that we perform at, right on that. Um, like, like Austin, right on that right? strip. Mm-hmm. Um, no, in, in Los Angeles. Oh, the Los there, Angeles in this, right? There's yeah. Some, yeah, there's some, there's some LA stuff. Um, but there's like uh, the scene that we're in is like in my in one of my favorite bars, uh, Birds in in Hollywood, and so it was just kind of like almost just being like a regular night, but I'm just in a movie. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. That's when it's fun That's when awesome. you can kick back and with good people in a good setting and make it make work not be so much work, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's why and if I, I get that. oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Ahead. sorry no that's no go I, go please uh oh, oh no um I mean that's why I do acting is I, I don't want to work but acting feels like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say one of my other favorites that I saw you on and I've actually shared it with a few friends was your stint on the uh, Pete Holmes show where everyone was doing interviews as Street Fighter characters and you were yes. Chun Li and that was that was pretty hilarious I thought that was 
thank Very you. Uh, that was a that was another dream too. As a high schooler, I dressed up as Chun Li for Halloween one year, nice. and I was like obsessed with the character. I got really good at um, playing her. Um, and uh, and and then when I was asked to do that character for the Pete Home Show, I was like, oh awesome i wish they had let me keep the costume but where am i gonna wear it <laughs> just like, fun. Hey, you're in la who yeah. cares you can just wear it wherever you want you're, go down to hollywood right. Boulevard and do that <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'll pass thanks <laughs> <laughs> well uh all right so what we're gonna do is since you're gonna i think um you're gonna go first right talk about our pick of the day robin hood from 1973 is that right Right, right. So I'll let the folks who are listening kind of see where this goes. So our format is this. The recommending lover, which is going to be Lilan, goes first. They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case. The second folk that's going to be the lover is going to be Will here. He's going to get his five uninterrupted minutes. And I, I'm not the hater slack. You can't hate on Robin Hood. But for <laughs> third sake, I'll go last with five uninterrupted minutes of my own to present any counterpoints or scorched earth. But we don't have to go there. After that, we'll open it up for some open time. Uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes of a shared conversation where the hissy fit supposedly really gets chippy, but I don't think this is going to get chippy and mean. But anyway, uh, <laughs> not, you know, not your bows, dress up in costumes, get your Houston off voices and let's go. Dude. All right, yeah. Leland, well, maybe, are you maybe. good? I'm great. Right. <laughs> I am do you, good. Do you need me to keep a timer or do you want the timer? Oh my gosh, I'd love for you to keep a timer. Oh man. All right, hold on here. Five oh, minutes. He's, right. a, he's aggressive. I, I, yeah, the, the, the bell knows no answers. Okay. But all right, here we go. Five minutes, fire away. All right. Um, well, I brought this movie to you guys because I really think it may be one of the best Disney movies ever. Um, I know that's a bold statement, but I just feel like it really hits that sweet spot where I feel like before Robin Hood, there's this kind of like strange, like kind of fairy tale stylized, like, I'm Snow White, la la la. Um, that except uh, a pleasant voice to listen to, um, like where it's like it's not, but it's not accessible, right? It doesn't sound like how people talk, right? Um, but then after Robin Hood, you kind of get into this like vibe of everything's like really punchy and and fast, and it's for kids. But Robin Hood exists in this like special pocket of time where we're we're accessible, but it's not like this like hyper um it, it like gaggy, like uh going a mile a minute type like four kids content. It's just like two bros, Robin Hood and Little John hanging in a forest and talking like real people talk. I, I don't think you get to see that a lot in kids content. Um, you know, I like the beginning scene where they're like running away from the, the sheriff and his posse. And um, then like they have a talk and like little John is like, Hey Rob, we good guys or bad guys, you know? And it's just relaxed, you know? Like it's, and they're just like debating about, and they state the theme of the movie nicely, but it's not like so obvious. And he's like, well, you know, we're, we're good guys in this way. And they're, and they're just chilling, you know? And you see the same dynamic with Maid Marian and Lady Clug when they're like hanging out and they're talking about their lady stuff. And then like the little like bunny kid comes along and he's like, ah, I, uh, time for a fight. They're like teasing him. They're teasing him. And they're flirting with him in the same way that like you would just kind of overhear in your neighborhood. The dialogue is just really 
really special. And then the voice actors that they cast, like they all serve a purpose. I really do feel like there's like a trend now where they just cast any voice that's interesting like or because they're like a, a a name celebrity, but it may not fit the cartoon. You know, there's kind of a disconnect. It's just like an interesting voice to listen to. But I feel like with Robin Hood's characters, every single voice matches. Yeah, of course, Robin is a British fox. Why not? But then, like, <laughs> Little John is like from Chicago, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then, like, and Lady Cluck is Scottish. I don't know, but it makes sense. Like, uh, Sir His, like, you, you know, like, so it's not like you're like Ryan Reynolds. And, uh, Aquafina and uh, introduce <laughs> like it, it's it's like you know you, you can so you don't you're not distracted by like the A list talent you're just living with these characters. Um, here's an interesting thing too is I was kind of watching it back in like kind of uh, I watched it recently and like but also with the twenty twenty two ish lens right and this is like it, th- this movie challenges authority. This movie is like, don't trust the sheriff, <laughs> you know, which I think is like a really interesting concept for like a kid's animation f- film. It like, it goes like, like every great Disney film will have a moral, right? A moral of being good. But um, like this one like shows like, hey, just because someone's wearing a badge doesn't mean they're a good guy. And I think that's a very like profound concept to like have in a children's film so that's an interesting thing about it too um also because like uh i am a woman millennial uh i I, like i also think the fox is hot (laughs) i don't know why (laughs) that's true of all women millennial or or or, women who also are attracted to men millennials like uh we just think the fox is hot (laughs) <laughs> like wow. uh, it's true i don't know why but we all we all just we're all in agreement on it uh like ask any woman millennial friend uh or or uh, like i don't know i haven't really talked to like my gay male friends i don't know if they they think the fox is hot but i know for um like my like bi and straight women millennial friends we all think the fox is hot uh so <laughs> there's also there's also that what's not to love we're, we're, we're all just as disturbed by it as we should be but it doesn't make it less of a fact <laughs> um let's see what, what what else is the animation is great it's kind of got the sketch quality like if you go back and look at it it's like um you can see the pencil lines of how the characters are drawn. Um, and that's another thing too. The characters are not like, blah, blah, meow. you know, they're not like, they, they, uh, they pay attention to gravity in the right way. I mean, I would say, oh, okay, there oh, we go. Oh, there oh no, go. I, it's not a hard out. Finish what you're oh, saying. You're good, you're good. Well, I was just going to say, I think Robin Hood's a little light, you know, because he, he's yeah. floating around. But but like, um, like there there is like one gag where Little John, who's like super large, grabs Robin Hood with his uh, feet as he hangs onto a branch and they swing upwards into a tree. I'm like, OK, no. <laughs> um, but like other than that, like they they're they're It's not just like bouncy, bouncy cartoons like they exist in like a very real space, which I like. Cool, cool, cool. Well done. Awesome. Look at her well walking in well five minutes out. Thanks. Nice. I will. <laughs> right. Do you need me to keep your timer? Or you got your own, Chief. No, I got a timer. I'm good. All right. I'm really Whenever good. you're ready. I got it.
All right. I'm not, I got to follow that though. That's tough. That was a good one. That's why I picked last. Um, Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I know you want to talk about how, how hot Fox, Fox is hot. Is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her closing minute. I'm like, yes, that's going to throw my guy off and it's working. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's nice. It's nice that finally the burden is off males who have been talking about Ariel for 30, 40 years. You know, it's, it's, it's good that that now we got, now I can be like, yeah, well, chicks like the Fox. So there, there you go. But, but Ariel uh, is so <laughs> fucking hot though, man. <laughs> no, no, let's not go there. Okay, not right, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, it's funny because, um, Leelan was mentioning something that I was talking to Don about on a prior episode. And, uh, I, you know what? Uh, Lilana is very diplomatic and political, and you've worked with Disney in the past, so I, I will go out on the limb and say this. We were talking about the uh, Marvel show What If, um, and we were talking about how that, that it, there is this system now where you know they want to hire whoever they get. Now, Marvel's a little different because they kind of have to, uh, they're kind of grandfathered in who plays the roles uh, you know, in, the, in the stories, but we were kind of noticing there'd be like one actor who's playing a character that is not necessarily a voice actor. You know, they're just recognizable. And then there are actors who are very good voice actors. And you can tell in a production like that because you've got one guy that's really, or one guy or gal that's really elevating the material, the other one who's just reading lines in a sound. And I think that is kind of the essence of the problem with animation a lot these days is, I mean, even to the point where they're doing stuff in post that's, I mean, I think those chipmunk movies, not exactly animated, but if you told me that like Drew Barrymore and all these uh, you know female stars are in it, but then you can't tell because they're microchipped voices, it's it's literally there for the name value, and uh, I find that pretty, you know, it, it reminds me of when things weren't like that. You know, when we would have like Five Goes West, where the biggest the biggest name star in that was I don't know uh, what's his name, the guy from uh, all the Mel Brooks movies. Um, and uh, and then the Robin Hood, uh, Robin Hood, the voices, the sound design. First of all, uh, I was telling Don that you know I hadn't seen this in thirty years. I watched it yesterday or the other day, and it, it was I don't know if Pavlovian is like the right response to it, but something. Even though I hadn't seen it in thirty years, like I knew every movement, every sound because I'd watched it so much as a kid. It was so uh, instrumental in my youth. Uh, for the way like I approach like making voices, like when I, I'm not an actor, but you know, if I ever make voices for my kids or in class, you know, I always think like, Oh, I'm doing the Ustinov. I'm doing the, you know, the uh, Prince John here. I'm doing this, you know, this very distinctive. And, and then of course you've got, um, you know, the, the songs, which I, I didn't realize were so not only are they universally good, but uh, I, I didn't, I was too young to like pick up on the idea that like a lot of that is, like, believe it or not, and, I, and I'm the guy on the show that makes the very strange comparisons to everything, but there's a lot of Easy Rider in this soundtrack. I know that sounds crazy, but, like, you know, Easy Rider isn't just Steppenwolf. It's, like, there's a lot of, like, weird 70s country hippie stuff going on. And, like, there's a scene where they're chasing each other at the archery thing where there's a lot of weird electric guitars being played. And it's very 70s, and I like that. It's, it's, it's very much of its time. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was great to revisit it as an adult and pick up on those things you pick up as an adult, but to have that instinctive need to, or not need, but that instinctive, like, I feel comfort here. I mean, it's a true, it's the true, um, 
meaning of comfort food. Like it was just, it was like putting on a warm blanket, sitting down and just being like, wow, this is, this is, this is really comfortable. I like this. And, and, and like Leland was saying, it's not, um, it's not overdone. It's not characters you know, with their eyeballs bugging out. I mean, a lot of people give, I mean, Looney Tunes has always done this, but you know, a lot of people gave Shrek, you know, a lot of credit for like kind of making anachronism cool. But, you know, there's a scene in here where the the mother hen is doing like, you know, football moves and, you know, they're all kind of saying like slang from the 70s, even though it's supposed to be the middle of England, you know, like, and it's, (laughs) it's, but they do it in moderation so that it's not overcome with anachronism. It's like just enough for you to be like, oh, okay, that's cute. That's funny. I like that. That's for the adult in the audience. I like that joke. (laughs) So Robin Hood, I definitely agree. I think it's not only one of the most underrated animated films, but, uh, you know, uh, it's it's got to be one of the best. And it's also apparently, from what I've learned, and this is how I'll end my five minutes, also one of the sexiest movies, apparently, <laughs> by the star power alone. Right. So, so, you know what? I never thought I would say this, but Robin Hood 1973 is definitely sexier than Ridley Scott's Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. You are damn right. That, that's how you end it. That's how you end it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man, I got to get five. All right, let me hit the timer for five here and see what I can do to, to catch all that. Uh, no, I, on this. <laughs> I can't. No, 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 I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I admit I'm, um, I come at this as a parent more than anything else. Like I hadn't seen this movie in the same 30 years until my kids wanted to watch it. And we put it on Disney plus and, and I, I never watched it in repeat as a, as a kid. It just didn't go my way. But I mean, man, as soon as Roger Miller starts strumming that guitar with between Whistle Stop and Oodle Alley, it, it just it just slides into a tone and a zone that is just fun and light and easy. And I like what you said, Leland, where Disney was going for a long time. They're so operatic with like, like you said, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. We have these big towering things that used to be stage productions, that used to be musicals, used to be symphonies. And you show up with, you know, Roger Miller strumming a guitar, just doing a kickback Robin Hood. And I, you know, you got that, you know, I think they were kind of, they say that they were kind of going for that Butch and Sundance buddy comedy vibe, you know, from four years earlier. And and it works because this is a place you can do that because Robin Hood's fun. And I was more of a Robin Hood guy, you know, in my youth, it was obviously Costner in 91 because that was kind of the, the wheelhouse of my age. But I love the old Errol Flynn stuff. So and you have that kind of sense of just fun adventure. And that's a movie I've also shown my kids. And and they're just, you know, nine and well, it's eight and seven. So they they get a kick out of that stuff, like how colorful and how fun it is. And and those are the kind of innocent movies you can put in front of kids. And and they're not, you know, full of just too much zaniness and too much madness where everything is going a zillion miles an hour. I think that's my one complaint lately with most Disney and Pixar movies, if I have to give a complaint. Like, I love the heart. I love the places where they go. But there's always, for some reason, every movie, without fail, some kind of just manic chase that that is necessary to like move whatever plot they need to do like you take a movie like inside out where you have these great internal thoughts about you know um, girls feelings and all that but it's still this hurry up hurry up we gotta go hurry up we gotta go hurry up we gotta go there's not a lot of hurry up we gotta go vibe in a chilling movie like robin hood and that's fun because there's a place for that there's a play if you need the operatic and this and the the symphony level stuff to you know put on big shows okay fine but every now and then kick back and show something like this. You know, not everything has to be, you know, a big old 
production. Just have a hangout movie. There's there's room for that. And I think there's a welcome place for this kind of movie. I think another comp I, since Will all of a sudden makes all these comparisons and gets me thinking about making these comparisons, I, I never get the the shit that Steven Spielberg gets for making Hook. You know, Hook is his little chill out, fun little dance around in a fairy tale and put on the put on those clothes and put on those shoes and just have a just have a you know an easy little I don't know, camp of a good time. And when Spielberg normally is trying to make, you know, bigger things and louder things or nowadays more serious things. And it's kind of cool just to have him make just a fun thing like hook. And that's kind of where this movie fits. And, you know, the buddy comedy stuff is there. The the cute romance is there. It still did. All right. It got an Oscar nomination for best song for, for love. It got bounced by the way we were. So, you were, you were never going to beat Streisand, but it's still pretty cool that it that it lingers and it's there. One of the more cool facts that I that I learned kind of today looking at it was um the movie Zootopia also has a red fox that I don't know if he's as sexy as with Jason Bateman voicing him as this one. But yeah. the director of that movie said that Robin Hood was his favorite movie growing up and was the major influence for him making that main character a red fox and Jason Bateman and cool in Zootopia. So that's also kind of a fun little piece that you know just keeps this movie's legacy going because someone's going to say that someday like man you know that fox he's a lot like that robin hood fox well hey kid wouldn't you know it it goes that way so i know this movie gets some shit for like reusing old sequences or it was you know um cut in a hurry because they were rushed or over budget and they they reuse you know some stock dance sequences from snow white and jungle book and aristocats and you can do youtube side-by-side comparisons where you know this this would count today as like a botched kind of thing like oh now you're just patching stuff together not quite Zack snyder patching stuff together but we're getting there but I, I don't care. It's just fun. It's just easy. And every time they get into you know chicanery stuff, it, it plays well. But I'm also with you, Lilan, where there's enough stuff pointing at this movie or this stuff, enough stuff in the movie that it points at with authority and with kind of the 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 idea of being an outlaw where it's it's fun, but at the same time there's still kind of consequences. Like there's plenty of times in this movie where Robin Hood's in some real trouble and 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 the community's in real trouble. Like the the, the citizens get their get stuff taken out from them like crazy but the but the the mirth is there and the morale is there thanks to a cool character to kind of keep everyone up and of course you know good beats evil and saves the day so yeah how can you not like a fun hangout movie there's my five well done uh, yeah 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 <laughs> all right folks uh please enjoy a short announcement from the ruminations radio network You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the Rumination Radio Network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcast here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. All right, and we're back. Thank you very much for the coming back from that break, everybody. Um, hey, open it up. Open discussion. Fire away, y'all. Wow, I was just going to say that I love... Oh, <laughs> I, I well, Don is, not me. Fun. <laughs> what did i do Both now just, i said don is good at it like, I'm a, like a, a tight five a tight five review yeah i mean you've been doing this podcast so long but uh but still i'm <laughs> up to hear it oh thanks yeah, what do you guys you. think of the what do you guys think of the animals in this movie because it is pretty random but it, it yet mm-hmm. none of it feels out of place like like a turtle is hanging out with a rabbit who's hanging out with a vulture who's hanging out with a rhino yeah. who's hanging out with you know like it never yeah. feels weird to me it always feels like it, it's just like we talk about voice casting right 
but mm-hmm. they also casted the animals to the characters perfect as well. Yes, yeah. the personalities, right? Like for some reason, like a a like bullheaded hen makes mm-hmm. sense, and I don't know why, but like. <laughs> It does. Like, I'm like, oh, of course. And then, and yeah. Maid Marian, she's not a, she's something. She, like, I, I think in the beginning they say what each animal is. And vixen. she's not a fox. She's a vixen. There we go. Which yeah, is close to Red Fox here. I'm looking it up in Wikipedia because, you know, school teacher's got a school teacher. And yeah, they say <laughs> vixen defers oh, right to Red fox. fox. So yeah, there you okay. go. Okay, never mind. Oh, I thought she was a different kind of animal. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we'll live with it. All right. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to think of, like, my favorite animal on the planet is a rhino, and I think it can be traced back to me probably watching this as three or four because those rhino guards are so cool. They're, they're huge, yeah, they're cool. and they've got the spears. And uh, But I also like the what, – what, what animal are the – archers like the evil archers what are they uh, um they're like coyotes or something they look pretty cool i think you're right the the evil archers i remember the rhinos well i actually i I, i'm sorry about this i don't think their rhinos are cool i think they're dumb uh they're (laughs) they're so so dumb here we go (laughs) here we go here's the hissy Uh, fit i'm gonna fight for the rhinos (laughs) (laughs) well like every time like prince john is like after him he took my or whatever like they all like they do the same thing every time where they're like sleepy eyed and then they all like get an expression on their face together and they charge at nothing <laughs> they charge at nothing every time <laughs> like they're stupid uh, I, probably what i would do if i was a guard for <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh and and to confirm it is the wolf archers the wolf arrow men are uh, henchmen uh, of sheriff okay, nottingham okay. so and then the guy who was in green acres is the voice of the sheriff of nottingham who is a yeah, fat wolf, butcher, right? a fat wolf yeah yes ah uh, yes oh yeah. he always sounds wolf. like i i never okay he's a wolf yeah because he's he's got such a beer belly that i like right. never knew what animal he was well i mean the top billed person in this and it's weird that that's the guy that carries a picture is what will said was used and like when prince john the villain is kind of your top billing you have that moment of like you know a hero is only as good as his villain and and it certainly does help that in this movie and it's kind of become a Disney tradition since that you kind of, if you do go all, all out on a voice for somebody, you kind of do go all out on a villain. And Yusinov is just so deliciously, you know, vain and evil. It just, it's, it fits it. And I, and Claude Rains to me is a tough act to follow from the old Errol Flynn stuff. And he does a nice job. Yusinov is fun. Yeah. I mean, we talk about casting. I mean, Yusinov is a two-time Academy Award winner. You know, right. people probably don't even know who he is anymore, but you know, that's that's a good actor but also it fits the role it's not like oh it's you know i don't i'm not trying to bag on anybody but you know it's just mm-hmm. it's not like throwing out like you know whoever whoever's you know just won all the people's choice how do, you, <laughs> how do you spell Ustinov? u-s-t-i-n-o-v mm-hmm. oh yeah. I, I put y-u-s-t <laughs> hey you Oh, Prince John. Okay, got you. Yeah. God, he's so yeah. good in this role. Yeah, he's the Yeah, he's perfect cool. casting. Perfect well, yeah, casting. that's the thing, too. And I think that's a, like the thing about animated films is that we're we're almost like kind of afraid to use our voices like too, too cool, you know? And I, and I do like that kind of um, like, you know, average person speak. But I mean, 
Yusnov really goes for it. Where he's, mm-hmm. he's whining and sniveling and and wailing, you know, and like he <laughs> yeah. and like such a baby. I mean, you can see that you can imagine this man losing his mind in a sound booth, being like, "Whoa!" You yeah, know, like yeah. it's he's, so funny. And I hate to be the director of the head goes, "Hey, Peter, I don't know if we got all that. Can you do it again?" Why well, certainly? And then he just wails again. It'd be hilarious. Yes, like. <laughs> but but you're right. Everybody leans in, like like even like what Will said with Pat Butcherin. You know, um, he le- you know with his hasty twang, you know, puts it to the sheriff of Nottingham. Where hi there, sheriff, he yeah. he just leans yeah. in, and it's people having a good time. You know, and it's and it's I like how no one here other than Yusinov being the two time Oscar winner. Nobody's here is big stars. Like they know their assignment. Yeah. They come in. They they find a quirk, they find a, a character out of it and make the most of it. I think today these things and we've seen it a lot because i know it sells pictures where you you need to put a you know a rogues gallery of celebs in here to you know get kids to see a movie or to get the adults to be like oh wow that's chris rock i keep thinking of like madagascar where every actor Mm -hmm. every voice actor is somebody known and they're kind of just being themselves in animated clothes where they're no one no one's really performing anything or 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 not a lot or they, they take just one bit and one thing and and run with it but right right these these people they feel so much more natural right i think i once referred to like when i was talking about nemo i referred to nemo as ellen degeneres i was like you know what (laughs) ellen degeneres like then talks to the seagulls and i was like oh wait nemo like it's just like i can't not hear her you know what i I mean like yeah (laughs) and they 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 carry that over into live action too because um i i was a big transformers fan as a kid you know that was one of the big animated shows when i was there and when Michael Bay remade the Transformers, you know, he did like half of a good thing. He was like, hey, I recognize that Optimus Prime, Peter Cullen, who does the voice for Optimus Prime, is, you know, a recognizable voice. And no one will accept that there will be another Optimus Prime. But, I'll, but then for the villain Megatron, Frank Welker, one of the most renowned mm-hmm. sound actors ever, he's got like 900 credits. We thought Lilan had a lot of credits on IMDb. Just look up yeah. Frank Welker. I mean, he's oh. literally got like a thousand credits. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah he, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, they were like, no, no, let's go with Hugo Weaving. You know, and then they yeah. they digitized the voice and they computerized it, and you can't even tell it's Hugo Weaving, but they can throw the name on the poster, right? You know, and it doesn't serve the character. It doesn't serve. Yeah, sure. If you're playing for nostalgia, people want to hear Frank Welker's voice for Megatron, but. You know what I mean? That's just kind of the, that's just kind of the system. It just seems like it plays along like that uh, in almost anything with voice work. It's more like recognizability means more than, I don't want to say talent because mm-hmm. you can, you can be a talented actor and sure. not be a good voice actor or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it, it just, I just feel like they're casting stuff for the wrong reasons. And like, like you guys were saying, this is a nice throwback to when it was character driven you know yeah uh, yeah I feel, I feel like the only modern thing that still kind of carries that torch is something like the simpsons where you you've i know it's been 30 plus years now where, but you've got that same cast a cast of really uh, just i don't want to say nobody's where the simpsons are the best thing to get known for but they become all those characters they're not we don't see them in other yeah. movies and go oh look at they're doing homer simpson or something like that where yeah, frank, even frank castanella julie Kavanaugh, yeah. but but even the south park guys like trey parker and matt stone have have become bigger than their show where we hear them and we see them too much and it kind of takes away the mystique of like wait they are those the voices of the kids or not and we don't we don't want voice actors to progress 
<laughs> we need them to stay in the roles that we like them for. <laughs> right. No, that, that's true. You bring up a good point because, you know, we never we we don't want to get in that period again where because it, it wasn't too long ago, and we're all we're all. I mean, Elon, you're the younger of all three of us, but I'm the baby. Uh, yeah, you're the baby. But uh, you know, there was a time when, like, there were TV actors, there were movie actors, there yeah, were yeah. video game actors, mm-hmm. there were cartoon actors, kid actors. You know, now it's it's blended a little bit. But yeah, you're right. It, it, you know, if there is truly a great, you know, voice actor out there who's also a great actor, I mean, I think I think probably the biggest, the most famous example of that would be like Andy Serkis, you know, who's mm-hmm. doing voice work and his physicality to do Gollum on set. They weren't even going to plan to have him in there. And then suddenly he just literally forged his own path and became a legitimate actor. You know, of Mm -hmm. course you want to see that. So it is kind of mixed. You're like, yeah, you're a really great voice actor, but you're right. We don't want to pigeonhole them. But at the same time, like let's maximize the talents that we can, uh, you know, in order, like if, if we truly are, um, and I'm a little bit more naive about this. You're in the business, Lilan, and Don is more cynical than I am. You know, I, I like to come at this from the art perspective and the, the naivete of saying, well, we're doing this for the characters and the stories and the art. But I know a lot of this is a business as well. So, yeah, yeah. but but, you know, it, as long as there's somebody out there who still has that piece of it, I mean, it's, there's no shame in making money and making good art at the same time, I guess. I'm with you there. Yeah. If you can get both, that's that's the magic. That's the magic place to be. Lilan, have you ever been yeah. pitched or auditioned for voice work? Um, yeah, I have. Um, uh, I have I done any? I'm trying to think if I've done any voice. I like I when I was uh, much younger, I I did a a redub of like a film from the Ukraine. It was like a, a like an like a Pixar style animation film. Okay, called Goat Story. And I did like a bunch <laughs> right. of like little voices like of characters and stuff, and that was really interesting because. Like it was, it was redubbed in English, but I, so it had to make sense and it had to go with the character, what the characters were saying. And so that was an interesting experience. And that was, it was, that what was funny is that my mom was in town visiting and my mom, you know, like she's, she, she loves ballroom dancing and Taiwanese TV. You know, she doesn't, <laughs> like, she doesn't know about this world of Hollywood. She's just happy for me, you know? Um <laughs> But like she doesn't, she didn't really understand what I did, and and I wasn't like I, I hadn't done Andy Mac yet, you know, and uh, she was visiting in town, and I was like, hey, I have to do a voice session, so you're gonna have to come with me, and she's like, okay, and like this redub, which was pretty easy and pretty simple, her eyes just like popped open. She's like, how were you able to do that? Like it was the <laughs> moment my mom had respect mm. for my career. <laughs> Wow, like, that's cool. Yeah, like I, I never know what's gonna like. Just like I don't know. My 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 parents, they're both like so far far away from the the industry. So it's always interesting to see like kind of what their favorite credits of mine are. Yeah. Like I did a um I did a zombie film for I done a couple zombie films for the Sci Fi Channel, um but uh, <laughs> one was called Zombie Apocalypse and that was kind of like my first big thing and my dad went nuts he was just so <laughs> excited and like so his screensaver at his work was a, a still of me like shooting an arrow at a zombie he was like my daughter was in a zombie movie like it was the, like the best thing I could have ever done and then um I think probably Andy Mack is my my mom's favorite credit not just because it's like 
not just because she can like curry favor with like her friends, grandkids mm-hmm. or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, like where she's like, oh, I'm now popular at the church because my friend's grandkids want to meet you. Um, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, but like um, I realized like how, how important, like, uh, you know, accessibility is like my mom, um, English is her second language. And so she was like, you know why I like watching Andy Mac? It's not just because you're in it, but I can understand what's going on. There and you I was go. Like, oh, yeah. yeah like that's. Done. Yeah, like she was like, I know what's happening because mm-hmm. everybody is clear about what they're doing, yeah. you know, as opposed to like so much American TV that goes right over her head because everybody's like, well, I have a secret that you don't know. Well, I have a secret that you don't know. And we are Game of Thrones and we're Game of Thrones and we're playing a Game of Thrones, you know, like, <laughs> so it's, it's like, it's a nice change. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. my mom likes stuff that she can understand it. So that, right. was, that was good for her. <laughs> now, is, now, how long has she been in America since being in Taiwan? Uh, like forever, uh, yeah. you know, like 45 years, but she, you know, she like, she was just like, I, I, I've learned enough, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. like she, My... she, her, her accents never changed. It's yeah. super thick. Like, I feel like I'm one of the few people that can understand everything that she's saying. We yeah. don't even speak Chinese together. We, uh, she speaks to me in English. Um, and I try to speak in Chinese now that I'm learning and she's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. just use English. It's easier. (laughs) My my wife is Chinese and and she came over as a refugee Mm -hmm. when she was one and her, her folks, my in-laws. Yep. Same thing. Thick. They kind of reached a point of English where like, that's enough English. And I, I, yeah, everything has to go through my wife and, and that sort of thing. It's hilarious. You get it. I mean, I think it's also cause just like Chinese is so different from any Latin based language. Like now that, now that I'm learning Mandarin, I'm like, Oh, I have so much more like respect and sympathy for Mm -hmm. my mom. I was like, Oh man, this is hard. And I, and I, I know you got to go soon. So, but I wanted to kind of end on this. I wanted to ask you because one thing I've, you know, by researching your career and everything like that, um, like I said, and, and this goes with Andy Mack as well, because like I said, it has a lot of representation for a lot of different minority groups, you know, be it sexuality mm. or yeah. uh, a- ethnicity. Um, you know, one of my favorite films of last year, and, and Don will tell you because I talk about it all the time, was Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it was such a, you know, we were talking about how, like, it's the first time that Tony Leung, who's a legend in Hong Kong, he finally got his first Hollywood film. Right. You know, the, the, the sister in the movie, Xiling, she is, uh, I think her name is Meng Arza. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she, you know, uh, she, she has yeah. no credits, no credits at all. This is her first movie ever. Right, and, right. Uh, and then, you know, Simu Liu is, has this, if I said that right. Yes. Is, Simu. Simu. Simu Liu. You know, he's, he's got this, you know. It's Leo, such a, if you want to be extra perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got such a great story, you know. And it's, and it's about yeah. time we had a huge box office hit that had representation you know mm-hmm. and how do you yeah. feel that the industry is going because one of the quotes i saw i don't have it in front of me but one of the quotes you said is you said you know there's still a lot of work to do because you were talking about how you would you were always going out for roles where you were playing kind of the sassy ethnic friend is what i think you said <laughs> I don't, if i said that wrong i apologize but no, that's I think, correct. <laughs> yeah that's so you know how do you feel i mean like i said we i mean it's it's one thing. I mean, we got Shang Chi here. We've we've got a lot of you know different shows and a lot of niches and stuff. But what you know? How do you feel now that you're 92 credits into your career? Like, how do you feel it's going? Like, is it is it is it going in the right direction? Is it stagnant? Do you, is there more work? Yeah, to do? I hear you. I hear. You. I, I think there's always more work to do. I mean, I mean, yeah. Um, uh, but um, I do think. I, I mean, when I started professionally acting. Uh, after I graduated college and and stuff like that, it, it was just understood amongst like me and 
my like people of color peers mm -hmm. that uh we were we were to wait in line uh after pilot season and and it was and it was understood it wasn't even like an, an injustice it was like well you have to wait until they cast the leads because the leads are going to be white and then mm. that's when you'll start getting auditions in your oh, inbox geez. you know like All yeah right. yeah that's that's where it was right mm -hmm. and, you know i and um I, I know it almost sounds like kind of like wild to even like say that like in this year because like we've now we've we <laughs> enough like uh like minorities have been given opportunities and 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 now i feel like people are like oh wait it doesn't the world doesn't explode if we have a non-white lead i know right <laughs> you know um and and so it's different now, right? And and also like, hey, maybe like it also is a good business decision because there are audiences that have been mm -hmm. waiting that's right. forever, you know, for these things. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's the that was the environment. That was the climate when I started. And I didn't question it either. You know, I was I was a young actress and I was like, okay, I'll just I'll just wait around um for my and and they haven't stopped, by the way. <laughs> like um but um and and hey, I'll I'll play a sassy ethnic best friend any day, you know. Like a, the, a lot <laughs> of, of times, those characters have the best jokes, you know. And sure. I and I love to do comedy, right? Um, but um, but it's been very exciting to, and I've been very inspired by content um, where like it's because what you do when you hire somebody who's um, just like not a like white cis hetero male. Mm -hmm. um, no offense, guys. Um, no, I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking. Um, but but you you get an abundance of perspectives that I think that we don't mm -hmm. get to see on TV. You know, like Shang Chi, mm. it didn't just give you somebody who was Asian in the lead. It gave you a whole. It gave you worlds of interest. It gave it, home life worlds that I don't get to see in blockbuster movies. Mm. Um, fantasy life worlds that I mm -hmm. don't get to see in blockbuster movies a lot of the time. Yeah, and and. Um, you know, I'm uh, obviously I'm really like in the Asian Hollywood scene. We all try to like support each other right. and, and like bump each other's projects. And and like the Asian Hollywood community is like very intense about it. Um, mm. But like, yeah, I mean, when I watched uh, y'all have seen the show Pen15, maybe? I have not. Yes, um, I have not seen it, but I've seen commercials for it and it looks hilarious. Uh, well, but I've not watched um, it yet. I like I said I am a millennial woman and the show was made only for me um <laughs> and exactly for me um but ben, but one of the characters in it is a half asian um female uh and, and a 13 year old it's they're two like women in their 30s playing 13 year olds and they do an amazing job that's awesome um it's really cool but a lot of this the storylines of like the um the mixed asian character uh they got me right in my heart because they were all about things that I thought I had only, ex I was the only person in the world that experienced. And then to see it broadcast on TV, it felt creepy. It felt like someone was in my head. Mm -hmm. Like there's this one episode where she's so afraid that her like cool white popular friends from school or, or, or working on a class project are coming over to her house. She's hiding like Japanese um, uh, like uh, th things in her apartment under blankets. And she's like nailing shopping bags like Nordstrom to the wall to show that like, <laughs> look, yeah. I, I know brand names, you see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and I was like, oh my goodness, this is 
these are like these are things straight out of my life you know mm-hmm. so that's what you get you know when when um like we and and that's and i think hollywood is starting to realize that right being like oh hey there are audiences who have been waiting forever for these types of stories. And guess what? They're also interesting. Right. And I have to hope there's so many more platforms that some of this stuff can get seen, you know, like when it was only network television and then just high end cable there, there was just so, Mm -hmm. there's so few opportunities and so, so few spots, but now with Netflix and a lot of streaming channels, I have to think like a show like Kim's convenience, you know, my wife and I are three seasons deep into binge in that. And like that, that's a show that wouldn't probably wouldn't get a look if it wasn't obviously made in Canada, but then also had a place like Netflix to land. So hopefully there's a bump in, hopefully there's a bump in work for everybody. I hope so too. I hope so too. You know, I, I will say that like I did look at Netflix had like an Asian show section and it was yeah, like 11 shows that. strong. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so there could be more shows out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's what I'm hoping for. And not just selfishly for me, but because like, Hey, I sure. like, uh, I watched Rami. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't, have very many muslim friends and i don't know much about like muslim culture and i, and I was like wow this is really exciting you know um watching um i may destroy i mean i'm i'm not watching like i'm watching uh, grown-up stuff i'm not watching family-friendly content um but like i may destroy <laughs> you know like um uh the show vita like ta- taught me things about modern day Latinx culture, you know, mm-hmm. like I just, I, I have hmm. so many stories that I'm, I'm ready to absorb, you know, I'm just ready for them to be told, you know? That's awesome. That is awesome. It, you, and, uh, and speaking of Netflix and this will kind of segue into letting you uh, sign off and, and, and give us your, oh, how sure. we can find you. Hard out, but like, so yeah, feel free to ask questions and, and, and stuff. No, no, we, we, uh, we, we want to be respectful of your time. So uh, do you, um, we're speaking of Netflix. You have a, yes. a new show that I've seen advertised that all my friends are talking about. That looks really intriguing from concept to delivery. What's going on with Netflix right now? It's pretty cool. Um, the show is called Murderville, and I get to be a part of it um, with uh, with uh, Will Arnett, um, Hanifa Wood, and Philip Smithy. Uh, we're like the core cast, and basically, we're kind of like the 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 set for um, a, a celebrity come in to spike the the uh, uh, the crime genre, that 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 whole crime um show type uh stuff so basically we set up like a murder and we are all in the crime show and then like a celebrity comes in as like will arnett's partner but they don't have it like we all have the script but they don't oh okay so it's kind of so like they just have to be a detective in real time <laughs> and like wow. but they're also in a show so they also have to like be acting like a detective mm-hmm. but they don't have any information <laughs> oh that's gonna um, be good this was so much fun it, it, was, it was so great so like you know the core cast is uh, we're just setting up like the pr- parameters we're given the stuff for them to like run with and like try to like solve a murder <laughs> um, wow. my characters they let me like be a very cool character um, my character is uh, medical examiner Amber Kang um, I've got tattoos I love hanging out with dead bodies um, <laughs> and uh, and and yeah it's it was just like just just such a fun um, fun time uh, will Arnett was so much fun to work with all the all the celebrities that we had were so 
just like delightful. They are all having such a great time, right? Because they're trying to, they're really, it's like a, an escape room. <laughs> yeah. You know? Did um, I see so Kumail Nanjiani? Was he guesting on mm-hmm. one of the episodes? Yep. Oh, Kumail is, is one of the guests. Conan um, O'Brien, Sharon job. Stone. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Sharon was so much fun. I don't know if it'll uh, make it to the cut, but at one point um she was like women got to stick together and i held out my pinky and she like hooked my pinky (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you always have that forever for yourself at the very least that's pretty right i do have that i have that for me i have that for me um (laughs) but yeah it comes out on february 3rd murderville uh i i i think it's gonna be very very funny i think it's gonna be a great time so yeah that's awesome how can um how can people uh, find you, get to know you? What's your best social media is? What's kind of the best way to get in touch with you? Oh, none of my social medias are the best. I just log on when I feel like it. Um, like, I, I mean, it was very lucky that I just happened to be on Twitter after like months of not like, and I saw your <laughs> message. I was like, okay, cool. Um, but I would say probably Instagram is the one I check most. I am at your friend Lelon. Um, that's where I post my projects and things that I care about. and things that oh and and all my little skate videos i'm learning how to roller skate and it's been a blast (laughs) that's fantastic well we we i I just cannot thank you enough for being on like it's just been um i I didn't even go into some of the other stuff about like you know don's don's the married man and has the kids i have kids Mm -hmm. but i've never been married so i i'd really appeal to that single parent storyline of Andy Mac a lot. That's part of what connected me and my daughter to it as well. And there's just so much to connect with it. And and like I said, it's, it's you're you're a joy to have on. You're so kind and nice. And I love your oh, career. You. And I'm like I said, I've I put, I put some money into Once Was, so I'm anxiously awaiting for that to come out. And thank uh, you so much. I can't <laughs> wait for you to see it. I think it's gonna be really good. Yeah, I can't. I cannot wait. But uh, all right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna outro, and then uh, we will send you on your way out to uh, hopefully a more. Um, more representative Hollywood in the future, for sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. Yeah. So You're follow welcome. us on on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Also find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. If you enjoyed this show, Ruminations Radio Network has more where that came from with wonderful programs and interesting hosts. And us on Cinephile His Fit are going to have even more great guests just like Leelan. Our show and others are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you! <laughs>